Well, welcome again, church. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Happy Easter morning. It's so good to be with you this Sunday morning. I know uh, we're in physically different locations, but we as the church and the church all over the globe, we are joining together this Easter Sunday. Man, just an incredible Sunday to celebrate the risen Savior. A couple of things before we jump into God's word this morning. I want to say thank you uh, to those on the Corona Outreach Team here from Victory. Just an awesome, awesome job you guys have been doing the last few weeks. Uh, in reaching out to the most at-risk demographic in our community and in our congregation. Um, Just a great job, guys. Just incredible, incredible job being the hands and the feet of Christ. Just want to say thank you to you. And I want to say thank you to the church as well. It's because of your continued support that we're able to reach out. We're able to be the church, to continue to show the love of Christ to our community. Just want to say thank you for being faithful to giving to God's kingdom. And I know there are those of you, especially in the Baton Rouge area, who may be joining us for Easter Sunday because your church was not able to gather like all of us, but they weren't able to gather online either. They weren't able to stream their service. And so a few of you have texted in that you're watching the service. I just wanna say welcome to you as well, but I want you to know also that your church is vital and important as well. And so if I could just speak to you for just a moment, I want you to know that your church needs to survive on the other side of this crisis as well. And so as a pastor, I am begging you not to give to victory. Continue to give to the local church where God has planted you. We want to encourage you. We want to teach you and build you up and do everything we can here at Victory to encourage you on these Sundays. But on the end of this, at the end of this crisis, I want you to know that your church needs to survive. Every church in our community needs to survive as well. And so I'm asking you to sow into the church where God has planted you, the local church where God has placed you to continue. And as we resume gathering, I just want your heart to be planted where God has planted you. And so I just wanted to encourage you with that and and welcome you also to the online stream. But all right, everybody, once again, I do want to say happy Easter Sunday, happy Resurrection Sunday. You know, I was thinking every year on Easter, I tell you how good you look. Every year on Easter, I look at all of you in your fine Easter clothes and colors and all those different things, and I say, you look really good. And this Easter, I thought I would do the same thing. I would tell you how good you look, but I would put heavy money on a whole bunch of you still being in your pajamas this Easter Sunday. I bet a whole lot of you are probably still, there's no knock against that. I would be in my pajamas if I thought my wife would let me. I'd be wearing those. Maybe you're wearing Easter-colored pajamas. I don't know. Maybe you're doing I went, though, into my closet, and I pulled out the brightest shirt that I could see. I, like, the, like the Red Sea just parted, and there it was, shining, right? Because every Easter, I try to blind you a little bit with my clothing, and so I thought we'd keep one tradition alive, all right? I thought we would do that. But whether you're in pajamas or a suit or in a dress, we're going to take some notes together, all right, as we get into God's Word this Easter. So you can pull out a pen and some paper, or if you'd like, go ahead and grab the Victory Church app. You have a fill-in-the-blank version of today notes in there. Grab out your Bibles. We're going to take some notes together. But for a few moments, I want to just wrestle with what Easter means to us and what Easter is all about and the purpose of it. Because Easter, eggs and candy and all that is really fun when we get to do it. And coming together as a congregation physically together is really great. And we're going to appreciate that even more after all of this is over. And having friends and family over is great. And it's more than ever, we're going to appreciate those things. And all those things are good. But I would argue that now more than ever, we need to be reminded of the power that's been made available on Easter Sunday. That that's where our focus should be as we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. And Revelation chapter 1 is where we'll start. Love this verse. Thousands of churches around the world are saying this verse on Easter morning. And here it is, Jesus talking in Revelation. He says, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Now I want you to know that's important because there are a lot of other religions in this world. 
And there are people who will say there are a lot of paths to God and there are a lot of different ways you can take up that mountain. But Jesus was the one who made that outlandish claim that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one else comes to the Father except through me. So there are not many paths to God. There's only Jesus. And I want you to understand this because all of the other religions, their founder was dead and is dead. Ours was dead and now he's alive forevermore. And that is the good news of Easter for us, that Jesus raised from the dead, took our sins to the cross, died, was buried, but now he lives forevermore. And watch this, watch this verse he says, because he's kind of preaching here in Revelation, and Jesus says, and he kind of amens himself here, right? Amen, which is what I've had to do during this quarantine, and so there's biblical precedence for that, amen. And I have the keys, he says, of Hades and of death. Jesus says, listen, because I went to the cross for you, because I went to the grave for you, because I'm risen for you, now I hold the keys of death. And I want you to know that this Easter, and that is great news for us, that because he lives, no death is ever final. Because he is raised from the dead, no death is ever final. There's nothing that you and I will ever walk through in this life. Because he has overcome death and the grave, there's nothing that we will ever walk through in this life that Jesus has not already conquered. That no death is ever final. There is no situation, no relationship, no condition outside the reach of our Savior. There is nothing that has any say over us besides the Word of God. That He has the final say. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to study a story for the next few moments out of John chapter 11, out of the Gospels, about a guy who physically died, and then Jesus resurrected him from the grave. But what's interesting on this journey, as we see this guy resurrected, is we actually see several people in the story who are experiencing a type of inner death that I think plagues many of us this Easter. And I want to build your faith. I want to build your hope today. I want to continue to build your faith, because no death is ever final. Let's jump into it. First verse of John chapter 11. And it says, There was a man named Lazarus, who was sick, and he was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Few things you need to know about this. This is a family who is in close relationship with Jesus. They live just outside of Jerusalem. And so Jesus would have visited them many, many times because he would be going into the city for some of the festivals and Passover and the different things. And so he would have gone many times to visit this family. In fact, we talked about it last week, one of the visits he made, where Mary broke the oil over Jesus' feet. And so this is probably the closest family to him outside of his 12 disciples. And so Jesus is close. These are his friends. Every time he comes to town, they get together, they grill some burgers, right? They play on the Wii. These are friends of Jesus. He's close to them. And they were friends. And honestly, it's a little strange to think about, but it encourages me to know that Jesus, just like so many of us, at one point in time received bad news, that he receives bad news. There's somebody that he cares about. Somebody that he loves who receives a bad report. And many of us have had that happen in our lives. Some of you, even since last Easter, where the doctor said, hey, you have this chronic illness or you have this diagnosis that there is no cure for. Or maybe you found out that your marriage was worse off than you thought it was. And now your life is on the rocks. Or maybe you received the news that a close friend or relative was moving away. Or, or maybe a relative got a bad diagnosis and maybe they passed away. Or maybe your child is addicted to something. Or maybe they're, they're not doing well in school or things are falling apart in their lives and the wheels are coming off and all these things. We've all received devastating news in our life. And I don't know what it might have been for you, but Jesus receives that as well. And in verse four, we see Jesus' response to this news. And he responds, when he heard this, he said, this sickness will not end in death. And I think for many of us, that challenges our faith on a very deep level. The idea that there would be sickness 
or that there would be death and different forms of death that we would have to walk through. See, we talked last week about how a lot of Christians get into this thinking, if I just follow Christ and if I just do all the right things and I give and I serve and I tithe and I do all the things that is asked of me, then I just get to kind of frolic in the daisies and have it kind of easy in life. And that's what following Christ is all about. But nothing could be further from the truth because the Bible tells us in John 10.10 that there is an enemy of our soul and that he comes only to seek to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And so all he wants to do in your life is to bring death. All he wants to do is to bring death to your relationships, death to your marriage, death to everything good in your life, death to your finances, death to your kids, death to your career, death to everything that you would experience in life. And he wants to bring you into a death experience so it would trap you. And so what a lot of us have to do is we have to wrestle with this theologically and figure out, okay, where does God fit into all of this if I'm walking through these death experiences in life? And here's what I want to encourage you with. Jesus didn't say that this story wouldn't involve death. He said that it wouldn't end in death. He never said that it wouldn't involve death and the path that we walk through wouldn't involve, but he said it will not end in death. And I think sometimes we get this messed up. I think we need to understand that we will find ourselves like David did walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But I need you to know this Easter that you do not have to fear evil because you do not walk alone and this death is not final. No death is ever final. It does not have the final say. The enemy may be trying to bring death into your life, but in Jesus' name, it does not have to stay there because God be the glory. He can break that thing off of your life. No death is ever final. No death is ever final. Jesus goes on to say, he says, no, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. And I love this thought that even in the darkest moments of our lives, God can turn them somehow so that he can still receive the glory for it. Even when we walk through the dark moments, even when we experience death in different areas, he can walk us through those and he receives the glory from it. And so Jesus says, we gotta go do something about this. And so watch this next verse. It says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. He loves this family so much. And so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I would say this does not look like love to me. Because if I was writing this story in the Bible, I would say in this family that Jesus loved, and when he heard this news, Jesus sprinted to Lazarus's bed. He ran. He went as fast as he could, did all he could to get there as fast as he possibly could. But that's not what happens. That's not what happens in the story. He stayed. And I can tell you in my own life, there have been times where I've cried out to God, where I've prayed for God, just move. And I've cried out, Lord, I'm standing in the gap. And God, I just need you. And I've sought his face. God, I need you. And it feels like there's nothing. It feels like he does nothing. I hear nothing. I see nothing. And those can be very discouraging moments in life. But here's what I have learned. When it feels like God is doing nothing, rest assured that he is up to something. Rest assured that he is moving and planning. Rest assured that he is doing something. Because watching this story, he's doing something. We're going to see it here in a minute. It says, after he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, he says to his disciples. And so we go to wake him up. And his disciples replied, Lord, if he's asleep, then he's going to get better. If, that's, if he's just sleeping, Lord, and he's sick, then the sleep will revive him. And Jesus, though, had been speaking of his death, but his disciples didn't get it. And so after this, he's just like, no, Lazarus is dead. Like, I was trying to help you guys out. I was trying to kind of, kind of give you some hints at this. But no, he's dead. I'll tell you too plainly. And for your sake, I was glad that you may believe. You ever tried to speak in code to somebody and they just don't get what you're saying? Like, you're trying to, like, tell them something because you're in a public place. You don't want everyone else. You ever tried to tell your spouse, like, at a party, like, it's time to go and they're just not understanding, like, 
because it's boring and you want to leave and you're trying to tell them and you'll be like, hey, you think the kids are tired? And you ever had your spouse be like, no, I don't think the kids are tired. And you're like, well, no, you think, you think you're tired? No, I'm not tired. You're tired. Some of you do that to your spouse on, perf- on purpose, and that's, that's not right, all right? That's just, I'm going to help you here this morning, all right? But he, Jesus is trying to help them, but he said, all right, guys, you're asking dumb questions. And so I'm just going to tell you plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, though, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. It's an interesting word there, belief. It actually means to be persuaded. What Jesus is saying is, look, guys, I know that we're going to raise Lazarus from the dead, but all of you are also on your own spiritual journeys. And so we're going to raise Lazarus, but I know that all of you also are going to be touched by this resurrection story. And I want you to know that's the amazing thing about how God works. And I think it's encouraging to us that the Lord hates what's happened to you, but he will, is excited to use and to, make, and to have what happened through you. God is excited to use it. He hates maybe what has happened in your life, but the beauty of the gospel is that God can use it for his glory. He can work through you. God's going to use whatever situations you're going through for his glory. There's going to be this ripple effect. He not only wants to touch your life this Easter, but he wants to touch those around you. Not only does he want to touch you, he wants to touch those around you. So Jesus begins on this journey, and on the way he encounters three different people who are encountering three different forms of death in their own lives. The first one is on his team, it's Thomas. And so it says, Thomas, also known as Didymus, which I'm sure a lot of you didn't know Diddy is actually in the Bible, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now I've told you this before because Jesus is a very gracious leader because if I was in charge, I would already fired Peter eight or nine times by this point in the gospel. If I was in charge of the team, I would have fired him. I would have fired Thomas at this point in the story because Jesus is like, we're gonna go raise Lazarus back from the dead and Thomas just turns to all the disciples and is like, well, let's just go die with him. Just super depressing in the way that he talks. It's a terrible perspective, but see, he is suffering a death from doubt. Thomas is suffering a death from doubt. In fact, if you look at Thomas's life, you'll see that his entire time spent with Jesus is marked by his unbelief. Thomas didn't believe that Lazarus could be raised back from the dead. Thomas didn't believe that Jesus had come back from the dead. You remember, he said, I need to see the scars in his hands. You have to show them to me. And the mantra of a person that's suffering death from doubt is I have to see it to believe it. I have to see it to believe it. I don't have the ability to have faith and I, I, I don't have the ability to trust. And I want you to know that oftentimes this, this type of death in our lives comes from a past tragedy. It comes from a person who's walked through something. You ever wonder how the devil attacks people, leaves people broken and worried and wondering, full of this doubt of if God is really good or if God is all loving and if God could really come through for me, then why? Why am I walking through these? I can't reconcile things that I see with what you're asking me to believe. And it was kind of Thomas's story. I don't know what he had been through in his lifetime, but he just couldn't get to the place where he could believe, where he could have faith. And I want you to know today, if you're struggling with that, that no death is ever final, God can free you from that death from doubt. God can rescue you from it. And as we go on verse 20, the Bible says that when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But the second person in our story, Mary, stayed at home. You see, Mary had faith at one point, She was willing to send for Jesus to come and to heal her sick brother, but now her hopes have been dashed. She sent for Jesus, but now he's not come fast enough. She's suffering a death from discouragement. A death from discouragement because God didn't come through the way that she thought he should. And so now her faith has been battered and she's kind of given up. And she had faith at one point, but now she's just too discouraged. And the mantra of a person with discouragement is, why keep fighting? Why keep fighting? I don't understand why I would keep doing this. 
that I've been praying for a decade and I've, I've been doing all that I can and nothing changed and we're doing everything we know how to do. We prayed every prayer we know how to pray and I'm still struggling with the addiction. Or, or we went to marriage counseling but we still fight. Or you say, well, I, I'm disciplining my kids but there's still little demons running around. They're just not listening. Or maybe I'm eating cardboard and I'm working out seven days a week but I just can't seem to lose the weight so who cares anymore? Why well, keep fighting? And a lot of you have gotten to that place spiritually where you say it's just not worth it. Man, I've been doing everything I know how to do and it's not gonna happen and I want you to know that no death is ever final. There is no death in your life that is ever final. God can rescue you as well. Now verse 17 gives us an interesting detail on when Jesus arrives. That Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now for most of us, that wouldn't have been a thing but for that day in that culture, this would have been a very significant fact and it's actually the reason probably why Jesus waited the extra two days before he came. Now, if you're doing the math, you would say, well, Lazarus still would have been dead two days, so I still don't see why that's significant, which would make you really good at math, because four minus two is two. But it's significant to this culture, because in the Jewish culture, it was a prevalent thought. Now, this is not biblical at all. In fact, it's very unbiblical. But in the Jewish culture, there was this prevalent thought that the spirit of a dead person would hover over the body for three days before going into the afterlife. And so the two times before that Jesus had raised someone from the dead, it had been counted as a miracle, but it wasn't all that incredible to them because the spirit was kind of just hovering there. And so all Jesus had to do in their minds was just kind of put it back into the body. But Lazarus wasn't just dead to them. Lazarus was dead, dead. All right, everybody? He was dead, dead. He'd been dead for four days. And so it wasn't possible in their minds that he could come back to life. Nobody had the faith that he could come through. Now, I think that's why Jesus waited that's why he waited four days. And so here comes our third character, Martha. And she says to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You see, Martha still has a little glimmer of hope, but she's really frustrated with God's timing. And that's a death from delay. And some of us in our lives this Easter are experiencing a death from delay because we feel like, yes, God can still move, but for whatever reason, he is choosing not to. For whatever reason, he is choosing not to do, and it's really frustrating to us because we talked about this last week. We have really great plans for our lives. We have great things that should happen. We had hoped that God would do a miracle our way. We get frustrated that he's not coming through, and even when his presence arrived, we're open to it. Martha is still open to it. See, she still goes to meet Jesus. But the mantra of a person who's suffering a death from delay is that it's too little too late. It's too little, too late. I don't think you're doing it the right way. I just don't understand your process. I don't understand your timing. But I want you to remember this Easter morning that no death is ever final. No death is ever final. In fact, as we study this part of the story, I want to remind you that Abraham was 75 years old when God told him, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. But then Abraham was 100 years old. At 75, he had zero children. At 100 years old, he finally had Isaac, the son of the promise. 25 years he had to wait for God to make good on the promise that he had made to him. Joseph was in the prison and in Potiphar's house as a slave in Egypt for 13 years before God raised him to the second in command of all Egypt. And some of us are saying, God, I can't see it. I can't see what you're working out in the waiting. But I want you to know that no death is ever final. And I want you to know this Easter that God's delays are not denials. And just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it never will. That God is still working things out and no death is ever final. And because he lives, no death in our life is ever final. Sometimes there's a waiting season that God is preparing the miracle. Because he's working things out so that he will get the glory. And that is the beauty of Christianity. He's always working things out 
that he gets the glory from your life and from mine. And we catch a glimpse of that as Martha has that kind of faith somewhere inside of her because she says, I know even now that God will give you whatever you ask. I know even now God's gonna come through. And Jesus says to her, listen, Martha, your brother is gonna rise again. He said, your brother will rise again. And I want you to hear that. I hope that's a prophetic word for somebody today, that you will rise again from the ashes of your life, that your marriage will rise again that your children will rise again, that your hope can rise again, that the promise that God has placed into your heart can rise again because he lives, no death is ever final. And I want you to know that you can have hope and you can have a future in him because he carried everything to the cross. That's what Easter is all about, that no death is ever final. Now Martha gets a little bit snippy with Jesus. I want to read this next part. Watch what she says. Martha answers, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So she gets a little snippy, which is, I have been Jesus. I would have been like, you know, just want to like, just want to smack her there. But Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Come on, somebody. Amen. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he asks her this question that I asked you this Easter. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? And they have this moment, everybody weeps together, and Jesus' heart is broken. It's the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. And so they take him out where Jesus is, where Lazarus is laid in the tomb. In verse 39, and Jesus walks to the tomb with them, and there's a stone rolled over the covering of the tomb. And Jesus says, you got to roll away the stone. you got to roll away this obstacle that is blocking the miracle and the resurrection that's about to take place. You need to roll away the stone. And then in verse 43, I love this verse. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. I love that. He calls him by his name. I heard a pastor say once that Jesus had to say Lazarus because if he had just said come out, every grave in that graveyard would have opened. Every person he would have raised, everyone from the dead. But I love that he thought, the fact that he called him by his name because so many of us personalize our condition. So many of us in our own lives, some of you are watching today and you have failed or you have suffered some type of death experience in your life and you have labeled yourself. You don't say, I have failed. You say, I am a failure. We personalize the condition of our souls and I want you to know that's the work of the devil in your life. Jesus called him by his name, Lazarus, which literally means the one who God helps. And here's what I want you to know as we close this Easter Sunday because Jesus knows your condition, but he's calling you by your name. Because he knows the purpose and the plans that he still has for your life. He knows the condition you may find yourself in this Easter, but he is calling you by your name. Because no one is too far gone for the Savior. No one is too far gone for his love. He still has a purpose and a plan for your life. It is never too late. And he calls you by your name. He calls you by your name. And then the Bible says in verse 44 that the dead man came out. His hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And I'm telling you this Easter, it's time to take the grave clothes off. Be free in Jesus' name because no death is ever final. Do you bow your heads with me right where you are? Close your eyes. Right there in your living room or wherever you are watching on the app or on Facebook, wherever you are listening in. I just want to take a moment and pray that God's resurrection power would be evident in your life. I want to pray that the power that raised Jesus from the dead would dwell inside of you, that you'll overcome the death from delay and the death from discouragement and the doubts that have held you hostage. I want to pray over your life that that resurrection would take place. 
And I know that there are some of you who are watching right now that you have let circumstances in your life, you have let things that have happened, you have let all these different things that try to work their way into your life, you let them drive you from God. And I want you to know that no death is ever final. That 2,000 years ago, Jesus went to the cross for you and he wants a relationship with you. That he can make you clean. And so if that's you today, we're all bowing our heads together. If that's you today, I want you to know that he loves you, that he's been searching for you. I want you to know today that he still wants you. And maybe you've never heard it before, but Jesus loves you. He loves you. And so if that's you today, if you say, I want to have that resurrection power inside of my life, I want to surrender my life's control to him, I just want to pray with you. I want to give you the words to a prayer, and you can pray it right there where you are. I can give you the words, you need to say them, and you need to mean them in your own life. So if that's you today, if you say, today is my day, I'm coming home. If you say, Jesus, I need you. Make today the day you decide. And pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, forgive me for all of my sins, for all my mistakes. Make me brand new. Say these words. I make you the Lord of my life. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name. Now, church, I just want to pray over you this Easter. God, I thank you for every person who's watching or listening today. God, as we celebrate the power that is available to us, Lord, we take authority over every form of death that everyone is experiencing. God, we break its power over them in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you today that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We thank you today that Jesus' blood sets us free from any kind of death, that because he died and was resurrected again, we thank you that you hold the keys of death. Because of your blood, no death is ever final. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would set free those who are bound by addiction. Set free, Lord, those who are bound by the issues of their life. Set free those who are bound by discouragement. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that it will not end in death. Lord, that you are already working in power. We thank you for that. And finally, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we speak life over every area of doubt, every discouragement. God, we pray that faith and hope would rise up in our hearts. Lord, as we celebrate this Easter Sunday, the greatest miracle of all, that you raised Jesus from the dead. Lord, we thank you that you live forevermore and are making intercession for us. We celebrate the saving power of our Jesus. It's in his mighty name we pray, in Jesus' name. And all God's church said, amen and amen.